Hi there, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. My topic today is insider threat management. Pleased to be joined by Rich Davis. He's the Group Product Marketing Manager in MIA with Proofpoint. And he's joined by Andrew Rhodes, Resident CISO in MIA, also with Proofpoint. Rich, Andrew, thank you so much for giving me time today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, so, no problem at all. Great, great to be here. Thanks, Tom. Let's dive right in. Let's discuss insider risk, particularly in financial services. How have you seen this level of risk change over this past pandemic year? Well, let me start on that one, because I think it's it's fair to say that it, it's increased. You know, it, it's increased over the past 18 months, absolutely. But it's an interesting topic more widely, because I think CISOs have always put inside the threat on the back burner a little bit. It, it's one of those challenging problems. It's, it's difficult to identify identify the issues as they're happening. It's difficult to prioritize, you know, is this a malicious activity that I'm seeing? Is this just somebody trying to work from home for the weekend? It doesn't happen all that frequently. You know, with the negligent uh, issues, you try and fix them through training. Um, all the staff have been interviewed and you've vetted them. Uh, and you've got leverage over them as well. You know, all of these people are people you selected and chosen. You could you can fire them if you need to be. You can put them on disciplinary. You can take away the bonuses. So, it's always been one of those challenges that it's complicated, it's difficult, and you probably feel you've got enough leverage over it. That, that's what it was like beforehand. I think uh, COVID and the, uh, the health crisis has really changed something, though. Because of the, the increased prevalence of working from home, what we now see is that um, attackers have, have linked onto that as well. And we see that credential theft is now a much bigger issue than it was a couple of years ago. I think the Verizon data breach report came out yesterday and it said 61% of attacks involved credential use. So what that means is you've got a third threat actor on your network now. You've got the negligent staff, you've got the malicious staff, uh, but you've also got malicious external people, people who've stolen credentials and are now on your network using a legitimate ID and are there just to, to you know, get to their own ends. So that's the, that's the change that's really happened in the past 18 months, the increase of this, this stolen credentials being used against you. Yeah, and you know, I talk to many financial services organizations. I think one of the, the themes that I hear is that actually, while it was a priority before, it, it's, it's just stepped up in terms of their level of priority now through the pandemic and the way that organizations have had to adapt to this new working practice they are now catching up on in terms of their of understanding what risk they've exposed themselves to uh, and looking at how do I best now detect whether or not I've got an insider threat and of which of those three categories am I most concerned about and therefore where do I spend the most of my time? So I want to double click on some of these and ask about some of the current risk trends for each of these profiles. Let's start with malicious insiders. What are you seeing with them? Well, I think from a, a malicious insider perspective, one of the, the key things that, that we see is the, the threat actors responsible are taking more time now out to, to actually work their way into companies. We're seeing a, a, a resurgence in people being placed into organizations for a specific reason. So actually getting a position in an organization to exfiltrate data as opposed to previously where a lot of employees would would, would be um, perhaps bribed to to leak data now now it's switched a little bit to now actually placing somebody in that organization having them apply for a job you know, case in point the recent very high profile instance at tesla 
where a lot of their intellectual property um, was stolen by an insider who'd recently joined the organization. I think you also see aspects regarding the the change in in motivation or not motivation in uh, just opportunity uh, because well I guess it's opportunity and motivation really look at it because of COVID organizations have had to change the way they, they function they've had to cut down in terms of the benefits they've been giving they've had to put people on furlough they've had to you know, move people out of the organization entirely and all of those start to create a bit more of a, an increased environment for malicious activity so you see people losing their bonus and feeling disgruntled about that. They're able to work outside of the vision of the CISO and the security team because they're all working independently from home. So you know, the, uh, the whistleblowing or the, um, you know, the suspicious activity they may have raised previously won't be seen anymore. So the, the COVID piece and the, the distribution of our organizations and our workforce now really is a bit of a, a hothouse for, for growing some of those insider threats as well. I think it's definitely easier to move data than it ever has been before as well, especially with the way that everybody's working today, the adoption of new cloud technology. It's just opened up so many avenues to easily exfiltrate data. Uh, and again, I think that's something that companies have previously got a, had a fairly good handle on, but now their data is being stored in so many disparate places, in so many disparate services. It's just so much harder to deal with than perhaps it used to be. Absolutely. The whole the whole uh, lifespan of a data asset can be entirely outside your perimeter. You know, it, be, it can be created, it can be shared, it can be um, you know, sent from different cloud to different cloud. It never touches your own network. And so being able to get visibility of that and understand what's happening is really challenging for the security leader. So, gentlemen, for so long, malicious insiders were all we had to think about when we thought of insider threat management. But now, as you point out, we've got compromised users as well. What do you see as the current risk trends for them? Well, I think this is this is the major issue, isn't it, really? I think that this these are the most malicious people that can be on your network. You know, the, the existing malicious staff probably have their own goals, but they realize they've got some culpabilities, some, uh, some focus on them. But these external people are there for their own ends. They're probably logging in from different countries where they know that they're beyond the law. So it, it is the major issue I see going forward. And as we see from the Verizon data breach study, we see that this is a growing issue. The, the theft and reuse of credentials to achieve malicious ends is just one of the biggest problems we need. But the, the thing is, the challenge is for the CISO is how do you spot this? How do you tell? Because if somebody is doing something just to keep a customer happy to work over the weekend, they may look identical to somebody who's just about to deliver a major ransomware attack and steal a huge amount of data from your enterprise. There was a Forrester report recently which came out which said that every time you get an insider alert, you should treat it as though it's going to go to court. And though I agree with that in principle, in reality, it's just not that simple. You can't have the resources available to treat every DLP alert, every insider threat alert, every suspicious activity as though it's going to go to court. There's just too many of them. So you need to be able to get the context rapidly to understand what have I got here? Have I got somebody who's just sending a document home to go and delight a client on Monday morning so that that presentation can be ready? Or have I got someone who's about to do something really malicious? Because your, your response is very different. On one, you want to bring a SWAT team down and stop it right away. On the other, it's just a call on Monday morning to say, perhaps don't work that way in the future, please. So it's, it's a real challenge. Yeah, exactly. And just to go into a little bit more detail, if we think about the kind of the third area, which is that inadvertent insider, 
we know the person who's just trying to do their job. The, the compromised user and the inadvertent insider, the behavior looks very, very similar. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so key to actually not simply look at where data is going, but understand historic trends and actually understand potential vulnerability of those accounts as well. You know, this has only grown and we see it in our own data as well. In our own data, our own data showed that over, over a, a 4,000 user, uh, sorry, 4,000 organizations, 65% of those had a malicious insider having access to an account in a six month period. So this is a problem facing every organization and something that uh, every organization that I talk to is concerned about. And the thing they're concerned about the most is dwell time. Because if they can spot it and remediate mm-hmm. early, then the majority of the problem is dealt with, but it's dwell time that they're really concerned about. How do I know that somebody hasn't been in there for months and months and has taken data over a series of time when actually it's even harder to to spot because they can drip feed it small amounts that it actually goes under the radar if you're doing anything, any sort of analysis around the number of documents that are being exfiltrated and how they're being exfiltrated. Rich, I wanted to double click again on the inadvertent insiders you talked about, because as I speak with CISOs, I hear this consistently, that that's what they're concerned about, the person that is well-intentioned, but makes a mistake, and they've got so much power at their fingertips, that mistake can be so costly. We've lost visibility into many of these users over the past year, or at least it has been compromised. What are the risk trends you're seeing for people who make mistakes? I think, unfortunately, one of the key trends is that that's increased during the last year, borne out, I think, by the fact that we've changed, so many people have changed the way that they're working. I know, personally, much, much harder for me to concentrate when I've got children who are, you know, homeschooling, you're being distracted. You're also not in that mindset where you're thinking about how you protect data because there's boundaries are blurring between home and work. Uh, you know, I've got two machines next to me most of the time now. I've got a personal machine and a work machine. Those boundaries are making it really, really hard for people to do the right thing and to make those correct decisions. Again, from the Verizon Data Breach study, we do see that yeah, errors are an increasing problem, people making mistakes. And actually, it's interesting to see that I think half of those errors were done by sysadmins. I think sysadmins and developers made 85% of the, the consequential errors that resulted in the data breach or, or you know, a, um, some sort of security issue. So you can very much focus on the people who you think are going to be creating that risk and, and sysadmins and developers. The users, they will make mistakes. They will send data to the wrong email address, et cetera. But you need to be wrapping controls around people to try and minimize the, the mistakes they make. And when we talk to people about how to set up um, a good insider threat program, one of those pieces is those, those fundamental controls about segregation of duties, least privilege, a great joiner, change and lever program. All of those pieces can reduce the, uh, the area of effect and the impact of an issue happening or a mistake occurring. So there's, there's things you can do to reduce the, reduce the problem. Yeah, I think also from, from a trend perspective, we are seeing an increase in the number of this type of, of, this type of breach. The interesting thing is that actually the, the average monetary loss for this is a lot less than it would be for the other two categories. But because the volume is so high, this is actually the top uh, t- the total top issue in terms of monetary loss. Uh, because the number of incidents. And I think this is why predominantly it is the top of so many organizations lists. So welcome to the world of work from anywhere. We got here probably years earlier than we expected. 
uh, going forward? How do we best assess and mitigate risk given that we're going to be in this hybrid environment where people are going to work from anywhere and our traditional visibility is forever compromised? Well, Andy, as a CISO, you're probably the best place to pick this one up. (laughs) Well, yeah, I've been talking about this topic a little recently. Um, One of the interesting things to start with is, is the whistleblowing line. Um, whistleblowing is, is always a fundamental part of everyone's sort of insider threat program. But I was looking at some data recently, which suggests how, how poorly that works as a solution. You know, the, the chances of people actually reporting on other people they work with is really pretty limited. And now that we're in this remote working world, I think that that falls apart entirely almost because you just don't have oversight so the person sneaking into the office at six o'clock or printing out reams and reams of paper, just this just isn't something you see anymore. So, so the whistleblowing line, although it's essential, that's sort of gone by the by. So when organizations need to think about how they tackle insider threat, there's, there's a defined process they should really go through. First, they need to think through what are the major value propositions of the business? What do they do for a living? What do they make their money? And then sit back and think of several different scenarios, insider scenarios that could damage that value proposition. Then you just need to tease them apart and think, okay, well, what actions could create that insider scenario? And what triggers would alert me to the fact that action was was actually happening right now? And then you just sort of, you pull together the controls that are around that, the triggers, and you start to build a playbook about what is going to trigger my alert to this happening? How am I going to respond to it? How do we react? Who do I bring in from the wider business to help me make a decision about whether, again, as I mentioned, we bring the SWAT team in or we just send an email the next morning. So you have to bring in the rest of the business to to support you on that. And, And that's the way. Then you just iterate that process. You go through again and again, adding more and more scenarios on top of it until you come actually with a pretty solid insider threat program. And what you can do is you can underline on this with a generic user behavior analysis tool as well, which will alert you to suspicious activity that goes on that perhaps isn't something you're specifically looking for, but is something that is an alert that perhaps you should pay attention to as well. And that, that's what we see in terms of um, a good insider threat program at the moment, people who are still developing and iterating and building their programs as they go. Let's talk about the technology. How are technology controls evolving and converging to be able to help defenders? Yeah, I think if we look at the trends over the last few years, we've seen the adoption of various new technology types that have gone some way to help address this issue. We've got the historic approach where we've been looking at uh, looking for sensitive data in documents and seeing where those, those sensitive documents are flowing, typically focusing on you know them being in the network and leaving the network. But over time, we've started to see different technology be adopted. One of the really useful newer technologies is uh, user behavior analytics. What trends are we seeing? What, what are we seeing from a user perspective that might help here? But we've also got to consider one really key aspect. People are using company-managed devices. They're using non-managed devices. They're using company resources. But I know day-to-day, I, I work with so many third parties, business partners, suppliers that I need to exchange documents with, and I may be using their box account to send data. So that is a managed system, but not managed by my organization. So I think to get to grips with this, from a technology controls point of view, you've got to look at what are the key vectors you're concerned about? Have you only got managed devices? And therefore, is that an area that you can use as a control point? Or have you got unmanaged devices? And again, where's the information potentially going? Information 
only moves because a person moves it. So if you can see that either leaving somewhere or going to somewhere, then you're able to monitor that and potentially stop that exfiltration. And then I think in how we do that, if we think about things like user behavior, if we think if we look at things like uh, document inspection, it is a case of actually using the best of each of these because when an organization is looking at how could I make this effective, they, they want to do two things. Firstly, they need a really good way of prioritizing. They're going to get a lot of alerts, but which ones do I really care about? Mm -hmm. So that's where this combination of what is the data, where's that data potentially going to, and where's it going from? You know, who's the user that's involved? And do we know that that is a privileged user? All of that and the behavior side of things helps to get a really accurate picture. And then the second thing they need is the data. How do we provide the data to the analysts so that they can do their job quicker, that they've got everything available to make that quick decision? Is this something that is critical? And how do I mitigate that risk very quickly while I investigate further? And I think they're the two key things that, that most organizations need to look at. Now, Andy, I know that you've looked at um, uh, user behavior technology prior um, as a CISO in other roles. So you know, maybe mm -hmm. that's something you want to touch on briefly as well. Yeah, sure. It is. It's a useful tool, but it, the thing it lacks is what you just mentioned, the context. And the context is so important within Insider Threat. I've mentioned it already a couple of times. User behavior analysis tools are fine at picking up on suspicious and outlier behaviors, but they tend to deliver those alerts with, with zero context. So it leaves you um, often chasing sort of chasing down rabbit holes and trying to figure out, well, what have I got here? And one of the examples I have from that from my past is uh, a user behavior analysis tool I was using came and told me that a guy who'd worked in our organization for five years had just gone through a door that he'd never walked through before. It's like, okay, well, that's interesting, but it doesn't tell me anything. Do I need to be worried about this? Do I need to respond to this? Is this, is this a real risk or is this just, yeah. he just detoured. So I guess what's the context? What's, what's behind that door, right? Well, entirely, it comes entirely context-free a lot of yeah. the time, those alerts. So they're interesting, but they, they lack the context for you to be able to um, actually react appropriately to it. So it just, it just creates a lot of workload. Um, and that's the essential thing uh, about getting that context, understanding what you've got really rapidly. So you reduce that dwell time and can react appropriately to the threat. And if I bring in just you know, a little bit of what we've built as a vendor, uh, you know, we've been looking at uh, this and we really recognize that user behavior plays a really key part. But it's just one of a number of channels that helps us to ascertain how severe that incident is and where it is in the in the priority list, along with those other, other avenues, and you know, making sure that you understand where which points do you need, which you know, in effect, where do you need to be looking at to, to spot all of this data leaving? Can you do can you look at the user's endpoint? Do you need to look at uh, traffic flowing in and out of cloud services? If you do need to do that, then can you do it? directly into that cloud service or do you need to monitor traffic as it's flowing in and out through a proxy or browser isolation or a technology like that so yeah to really solve this i would recommend any organization really think about what is that key exfiltration vector they're concerned about and to start there and work your way through in a priority order rich i wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about proof points insider threat management approach what does it entail beyond what you've just teased us with yeah, certainly. From you know, from from our point of view, we we've brought together 
what we believe is the best of a number of different areas. The, the user behavior aspect, along with the data identity aspects are having you know, a large pre-built rule set that organizations can turn on that is looking for a whole series of different aspects and honing that over time. We spend a lot of time you know, looking at large amounts of data, building out those models using things like AI and machine learning uh, to gain that accurate uh, information. And then the second side of it is, from our point of view, what do we record? It'd be great if you could record user behavior the whole time across every single endpoint, every single transaction. There's privacy concerns there as well that many organizations need to be need to think about, but there's also just the sheer amount of data. So, you know, for us, it's very much about spotting something that is potentially an issue based on all of the all of the different controls that we've got in place, but then dynamically adapting what we're doing. So let's start observing a user or certain behavior in more detail once we are suspicious or once there is a clue that there could be something suspicious going on there. And we don't do this manually. We do this in an automated fashion. So we don't have to have analysts spending hours making a decision. Well, that looks risky. You know, let's turn up the level of, of monitoring of that particular user or that particular data flow. And then, you know, providing tools that make it really easy for people to then go through a mitigation workflow. So we have to escalate accordingly to request the right data from different systems to really investigate those cases that bubble to the top. For both of you, let's wrap up with this. How do you recommend that our audience challenge their vendor partners to be able to improve detection, prevention, and response when it comes to insider threat management? What are the questions they need to be asking? Well, I'll start off. I think from, you know, from my side, there's a lot of things that, um, that people can ask uh, you know, up front about their overall cybersecurity strategy. What are we doing here in terms of security awareness training? Are we considering that as an avenue? What are we doing in terms of, uh, of testing uh, our users? Uh, what, are we, what are we doing in terms of protecting ourselves from things like um, account compromise? Because this isn't just about detection of an event. This is about helping to mitigate risk by moving earlier in the tank chain. Every CISO I talk to, their ideal scenario is to move earlier on in the tank chain. If we can stop a lot of this from happening up front by training our users better, by using technology to stop threats coming in to, to mitigate the risk of account compromise, then we're also giving the insider threat systems less to have to deal with. Less alerts mean easier prioritization and ultimately will lead organizations to being able to reduce their exposure time of the threats that really matter. I think focusing on the vendors is a, is a really key point because actually organizations now are not just made up of their, their single entity. You know, the vendors are part of your, your supply chain, your value chain that you're providing your service to your customers. So they represent an aspect of your insider risk too. So understanding your vendor landscape, which vendors are working with you, what access they've got is absolutely vital. But then you also need to get very clear with them about the communication protocols that should be there between you. What should they be telling you about? If they have a breach, should they tell you? And how quickly should they tell you? 
And what does what do you mean by the word breach? If they just have a near miss, should they tell you? If they have a data leak, should they tell you? If they have compromised accounts, should they tell you? You need to be very clear about that because obviously it's a sensitive topic. Organizations don't want to talk about this particularly much. So getting this in the contract and being very clear in the contract about what you should be telling us and when will enable you to put some proper processes behind the risk that you may be facing. So you know if your vendor gets a compromised account, you can react appropriately. You can put additional controls around that vendor at that time. So definitely get really clear about the communication protocols between the two. And then start to invite them in, start to work on tabletop incident response um, practices and rehearsals, ask them to, to oversee what you're doing so they can see how, how they would be part of your solution and vice versa. See if you can work with them on their incident response processes so you can start to understand how the whole value chain sticks together. And it's not just about them, not just about us, it's about the whole operation that we bring together to provide value to our clients. Very good. Andrew Rich, thanks so much for taking time to speak with me today. I really appreciate your perspectives. No problem. It's been really great joining you today. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Again, the topic has been insider threat management. You just heard from Rich Davis. He's a group product marketing manager in MIA and Andrew Rose, resident CISO in MIA, both with Proofpoint. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you so much for listening today.